You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Coming to you from Classic City, the capital of the Bulldog Nation. It's time for another edition of the podcast designed for the most die-hard Georgia fans in the country. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another edition of the Glory UGA Podcast. I'm your host, Tyler, and... I guess this is an emergency edition of the podcast. I guess it fits that definition, as this particular episode was entirely unplanned, entirely spontaneous, and completely motivated by the news that broke today that Arch Manning has committed to the Texas Longhorns and not our beloved Georgia Bulldogs. So when we have breaking news of that magnitude, I always feel compelled to come on here and at least give you a little something, give you my initial reaction, my first thoughts on that breaking news, and today is no different. So that's what we're going to do here today, but here's the deal. Curtis and I had actually already recorded the episode that we were going to release Thursday night. We actually recorded that yesterday on Wednesday. But with this news breaking, I'm going to hold that episode. It was a mailbag episode that Curtis and I did. We're just going to hold that episode. We're going to push that back to the first part of next week. I think we'll release that on Monday night, early Tuesday. So that will happen. You guys will get that. But with this news breaking today, we felt like this was something that you guys would want us to come on here and address today. We've got a couple DMs to that effect. So that's what we're going to do and just push back the mailbag episode to early next week. And we will get to Arch Manning here in just a minute. I promise you guys the entire episode today will be dedicated to Arch Manning's announcement, what that means for us, the implications what's next, the whole nine yards. We'll talk about all that stuff. But before we get there, I want to let you guys know something real quick. I want to let you know that next week, I'm going to have some big news to share with you guys. I would share it today. I would. But we've just got a few I's to dot, a few T's to cross. But it's very good stuff. I promise. I think you will like this. At least I think it's very good stuff. And I think and hope that you will too. So I know that's a bit of a tease. I know it is, but I will at least tell you this today. The announcements, yes, announcements, plural, have to do with future content from us. And I'll give you that and leave you to speculate as to what that might actually mean until next week. So just a little bit of a tease there, but I think it's something that you guys will enjoy and be excited about, at least I hope so. So uh, something to look forward to, something to look forward to next week. But let's go ahead and dig into this Arch Manning stuff. 
And there's a lot of angles to look at this from. I mean, really, there are. I think the first place you have to start is this. Like, why Texas over Georgia? Because we've known for a while now. I mean, for a while, I guess it was a three-team race. It was Georgia, Texas, and Alabama. And most people outside the Georgia fan base were looking at at that group of finalists and saying, huh, like, Georgia? Why is Georgia in it for Archman? Georgia doesn't even throw the football. So... I think the general thought was Georgia's not really a player here, but I think the average college football fan would be surprised to find out just how much of a player we were in this. Now, you get no points for second place. It doesn't matter if you finish second. All that matters is who gets the guy. But we were definitely in this. But at the end of the day, it's Texas over Georgia. And I want to start there as to why Arch Manning might have made that choice. Look, I don't know this kid, never talked to him, never will talk to this guy. So I'm not going to sit here and tell you that I know definitively what was behind this decision, that I have all the answers, because that would be entirely false. That would just be me making up stuff, and that's not what we do here on the Glory UGA podcast. But I can speculate a little bit. I think this is educated speculation, we'll call it, because, I mean, like all of you guys, I follow recruiting very, very closely. No, I am not a recruiting analyst. I don't call the recruits and all that, you know, but I follow it very closely, and I have for 15 plus years now. So I'm pretty up to date with what's going on. I'm pretty dialed in with what's going on in the recruiting front, whether it's Georgia-specific stuff, obviously, but also on the national level as well. I I get into it. I think it's fascinating stuff. And so I'm constantly gathering recruiting information. I do have a few contacts around town that I talk to here and there, but I'm gathering stuff from all, all over the place. And I read a lot of the same stuff you guys read, and I try my best to read between the lines, use my experience, you know, following recruiting and seeing how all these things have played out in the past to kind of speculate as to what's going on in the minds of some of these players. And I think the first thing I would say regarding why Arch Manning might have chosen Texas over Georgia, and again, it's might, I don't know, it's a speculation, this is my personal speculation, but a lot of what you read about Arch Manning and kind of his makeup was that this was a young man who wants to leave a legacy. Like he wants to leave his mark on a program. Kind of the way Peyton Manning did. I know that Peyton Manning was not the quarterback that actually led Tennessee to a national title, but he laid the foundation that we know T. Barton comes in the next year and actually goes and wins that national title. But he kind of blazed his own trail and he laid his own foundation, did his own thing, and still today is regarded as an icon, a hero in the land of Tennessee football. I mean, in that fan base, like he is an absolute icon. And I think... From what I understand, reading interviews with this guy, reading pieces from all the, the national recruiting writers out there who who follow this stuff and talk to these people and have more contacts than I could ever dream of in the recruiting world, it seems like he was of that same mind as, as his uncle, as Peyton, where he wanted to go to a program that has potential, has a, a, a rabid fan base, a rabid following where football is a big time deal, but maybe hasn't had that level of success in a while. And that is, quite honestly, desperate for a savior, the guy, that recruit, who's going to put them over the top and take them back to the promised land. And I think that's one of the reasons Arch was interested in us. He knew how rabid our fan base was. He understood that. He understands how important Georgia football is to the state and this fan base. And he knew that we'd been good recently. Like It's not a, an apples-to-apples comparison with Texas because we've been far better recently than Texas has within the past decade or so. But... 
the fact is we had not won a national title over 40 years and he knew how starved the fan base was and I think he was really intrigued by the idea of come to play for a big-time program a big-time head coach who leads this program better than just about anybody in the country not named Nick Saban maybe as well as Nick Saban now if not better than Nick Saban after last year a program that has all the bells and whistles for players, has all the resources you would need to win at a big level, but just hadn't won, hadn't quite gotten over that hump and won the whole thing in four decades. And I think that he was very intrigued with the possibility of being that guy for Georgia, being like the Peyton Manning for Georgia, being like a lifelong hero icon for our program, the guy that led us to the national title the first one in 40 plus years. But then we went and won the national title last year. And I know this sounds crazy to say, and I might be completely off base. Again, I don't know. This is me speculating and just reading between the lines and taking what I've heard, what I've read from people who would know and kind of just put it out there. I think you could make an argument when it comes at least to the recruitment of Arch Manning that winning that national title last year actually hurt us with Arch Manning. Now, I know that sounds kind of counterintuitive. Wait, how does winning a national title hurt you recruiting the number one player in the country? Well, I think us winning that national title took away the possibility from him of being that guy who led us to the first national title in 40 plus years, of being that program saver, that program changer, of being the Peyton Manning of Georgia football. I, I truly believe that was a factor in this. Now, was it the decisive factor? I don't know. Maybe not. Probably not. But I do think it was a factor in this. I mean, Stetson Bennett is going to be that guy. I think Stetson Bennett is going to be the guy that Arch Manning potentially had his eyes set on being. I think Stetson kind of took that away from him. And you know what? If that is the case, look, I don't, again, I don't know. But if that is the case, I'm fine with the trade-off. Give me the national title. I mean, Arch Manning, good player, but there's no guarantee that he's going to come in and lead a team to a national title, that he's going to be you know, a first-round draft pick. And he likely will be, but there's no guarantee there. I mean, give me the guarantee. Give me the national title. If that means we lose Arch Manning, so be it. I mean, we'll be fine. We still can attract a lot of really high-level quarterback recruits here in the next couple of years. But I do think that was potentially a factor there. So that's one thing. And then, of course, you can't talk about why Texas over Georgia without looking at the offense. We know what our offense has looked like the past two years. And we know the reasons why. We know we've had injuries at quarterback. We know we've had Stetson Bennett there, who I believe, and I've been very open with my beliefs, that he's a very good quarterback for us. He's a great fit for our system. Todd Munkin has really designed our system to fit his strengths. And within the framework of our offense, Stetson Bennett is a really good option for us, a good enough option for us to win national titles. So it's hard to argue with that. But the fact is, like, we have not won games because of Stetson Bennett. As I've said many times, Stetson Bennett has been a reason why we have won football games, but he has not been the reason why we have won these football games. He has not put this team on his back and gone out and thrown the ball 40, 50 times a game to win football games. And that's just not really what our offense is built to do. I don't know if our offense will ever be built to do that. But you know whose offense is? Steve Sarkeesian. And, and I know that we sell these receivers and we sell these quarterbacks and the idea like, hey, this is not what we want our offense to be long-term. This is kind of just a product of necessity and it's based on us building this offense around the talent that we have because we don't have a guy like you at quarterback right now that we can build the offense around to where we feel comfortable throwing the ball 30, 40 times a game if necessary. But if we get you, then we can do that. And I know that's the sell and that's a tougher sell because you're promising something that hasn't transpired. You don't have proof of concept. 
you don't have proof of concept that you've put quarterbacks in the first round of the NFL draft. Steve Sarkeesian has proof of concept when it comes to throwing to win, putting the game on the quarterback's shoulders and letting them go out there and chuck the ball around the field. He has proof of concept that he runs a very quarterback-friendly offense, heavy RPO stuff. He has proof of concept that he has led offenses that have featured quarterbacks that have gotten drafted and developed into first-round draft picks. So they have that proof of concept with their offense. Now, I know Sarkeesian's only been at Texas one year, and last year was an abject disaster for Texas, but you just have to understand that's not always how these recruits look at it, and different things weigh differently with different recruits. You know, a one-year snapshot is not going to sway most recruits. It's really not. And Sark could sell the whole thing. Hey, last year was my first year. I had to change the culture. I had to clean out the trash, whole nine yards. By the time you get here, we'll be rolling. We're going to be better this year. And then you come in here and you can take over after Quinn Ewers and you can be that guy, right? So I, I think that absolutely was a factor. Just the offense that they run versus the offense that we run. And, and just the negative recruiting that goes on. It's like, you have to understand, guys, teams do negatively recruit against us and our offense that we run. And here, like, it's a trade-off. You know, we always call ourselves RBU. I think we are. And we can get in the living room of the best running backs in the country on an annual basis, year in and year out. But that's because we feature the run game. We can get into the rooms of the best offensive linemen in the country year in and year out because we feature the run game. We've put offensive linemen in the first round. We've put running backs in the first round. We had all-timers at running back recently. People have seen Sonny Michelle and Nick Chubb and Todd Gurley. They know those names. The reason we have trouble recruiting wide receivers, and, I, and, and sure, you can potentially put some of that on Cortez Hankton. I, I, I never felt it was as much on him as I think a lot of people in the fan base did. I think he could have done a, maybe a better job, but it, it was always an uphill battle for him because how are you going to sell these receivers, these top-level receivers, to come to Georgia when we're throwing the ball around 20 times a game at most? on an average game. I mean, seriously. I mean, if you're throwing the ball 20 times a game, you have Brock Bowers, you want to feature your tight ends, you have multiple receivers. So you're saying as a receiver, you might get two or three targets a game and you think you're going to be able to go out there and recruit the best receivers in the country? You're not going to, but we get the best running backs in the country because that's what we feature. There's a, there's a give and take there. But another factor I think you have to think about as to why he chose Texas over Georgia is look at the Texas quarterback room. Now, I know they have Quinn Ewers right now, and he's almost certainly going to be the starter this year. I guess there's technically, ostensibly, a battle between him and Hudson Card, but I think everyone believes that Quinn Ewers, the former number one overall recruit who, who reclassified to last year's class, went to Ohio State, saw that C.J. Stroud was going to be the guy for the foreseeable future, transferred back to Texas, so now he's at Texas, and he's going to be the guy this year. I, I feel pretty confident in saying that. And He's a second-year player, which means if he is the guy this year, he'll be around at least for one more year next year, which would be Arch Manning's freshman year. So he would almost certainly have to sit next year at Texas. And if he comes to Georgia, if he did, if he would have come to Georgia, obviously he's not, but if he would have come to Georgia, he almost certainly would have had to sit next year as well. Now, there would have been more of a, of a path for him to win the starting job as a true freshman next year because there would have been no established starter. But the fact is, you had three quarterbacks that have been in the system longer than he has, and I believe it would be the Carson Becker brought Vinegar if maybe Gunnar Stockton next year. And he would have been the guy in the wings waiting after them, right? So, like, because I think the likelihood next year, whoever doesn't win the job, whether it's Vandegrift or Beck, is, prob is almost certainly going to transfer. If Beck doesn't win it, he's going to transfer. If Vandegrift doesn't win it, probably going to transfer. I don't know that. That's just me speculating, but I think there's a, a strong likelihood there. Stockton, I think 
with the class, two classes of separation between him and Beck, if he doesn't win the job and it's, let's say it's Beck, I think he'll probably stick around because if Beck is great, then Beck can play one year and he could, he could be off the NFL. I mean, we'll see. We don't know what kind of quarterback he would be at the college level. We have high hopes, but we don't know. But I think the likelihood is that whether he'd gone to Georgia or whether he had gone to Texas, Manning was going to have to sit next year. So it was, I don't think it was 2023 that he was looking at. I think it was 2024. Because again, if he goes to Texas, Quinn Ewers, if he is as good as everyone thinks he's going to be, if he lives up to the lofty high school ranking, if he is that guy, he'll be gone after 2023. He'll play this year as a sophomore. He'll play 2023 as a junior. Barring injury, he'll be off to the NFL draft, which means as a redshirt freshman, Arch Manning would be the clear option to take over for the Texas Longhorns because their quarterback room doesn't have as many options right now. It's not as deep with former four and five star prospects. It's just not. So he would be essentially the heir apparent, the obvious heir apparent as far as I'm concerned to Quinn Ewers going into the 2024 football season. Whereas if he comes to Georgia, let's say Carson Beck wins the job in 2023 and he's the guy, has a fantastic year, parlays that and into being drafted in the NFL. Well, he'd still have to compete with at least Gunnar Stockton and maybe brought Vandergriff sticks around too. I don't know. There would be more competition for him in 2024 at Georgia than there would be at Texas. And I, I think that's something that he probably factored in as well because the, the reality is these guys want to play. And you can say all you want. Well, shouldn't you want to be pushed? Shouldn't you want competition? These guys don't really see it that way. Most of them don't. They want the clearest path to playing time the clearest and easiest path to playing time because they want to get to the NFL as fast as they can and make money as fast as they can. The longer they have to sit, the longer they might have to push that dream off. I mean, just look at Justin Fields. I, I truly believe, I've said many times, that Justin Fields, if he would have come back as a sophomore in 2019, he would have beaten out Jake Fromm that year. I don't think he was ready to beat out Jake Fromm in 2018. I think Jake was the right choice that year. Doesn't mean he was the more talented quarterback long-term. Obviously, he was not. But in terms of being ready to lead the offense in 2018, I believe it was Jake Fromm. And Jake played well in 2018 outside of, obviously, the LSU game. After that game, he was on fire the rest of the year en route to, again, putting us in the SEC championship game and just a Man, a, a giveaway of a game away from, from winning the SEC championship game there in 2018 against Alabama. But I believe that Justin, if he would have stayed, would have caught up with Fromm from an understanding standpoint, at least enough to where his talent could have overtaken Fromm in 2019. But he wanted the path of least resistance. He wanted to go to a place where he was essentially assured of being the guy. And I'm not faulting him for that at all. I'm not faulting him at all. I understand. He had dreams. He wanted to be three and out, go to the NFL, make money, which is exactly what he did. He was the first round draft pick. It worked out exactly the way he wanted to. So that's kind of how quarterbacks, because only one quarterback can play at a time, right? You don't see two quarterback systems. So that's kind of how quarterbacks are wired in this day and age. They want the path of least resistance. You can sit here and say with a thousand foot view, well, I mean, you should want competition, but like, that's just not how it is, guys. It's just not. So I do think that was a factor in him choosing Texas over Georgia. And here's one more thing. And this one is that there's a lot of speculation in this. Now, here's what I do know. I do have on very good authority, I've been told that we did pursue transfer quarterback options in the portal this offseason. And I put that out there, I believe I did, on the podcast in late January, early February, something like that. We didn't talk much about it because nothing really transpired. Uh, it, was, it was really Caleb Williams. You know, we recruited Caleb Williams very heavily when he was coming out of high school. He's the same year as Brock Vandegrift. You know, remember, Vandegrift was initially the guy that was committed to Oklahoma. 
And when that happened, we were recruiting him and Caleb Williams. When Vandergrift committed to Oklahoma, then we kind of went all in on Caleb Williams. And we were heavily involved in his recruitment. And, and he was listening. He liked what he heard. He made multiple visits. And we were very much in the Caleb Williams recruitment. Like We absolutely were very much in that sweepstakes. In fact, if Brock Vandergrift did not have a change of heart and decided he wanted to come to Georgia, there's a very good chance we, could, we would have landed Caleb Williams at a high school. But when he came, when Vandergrift decided he wanted to, to open up his commitment and ended up flipping to Georgia, well, then obviously Oklahoma had an opening and Caleb ends up, going, ends up going to Oklahoma. So there was a relationship, is what I'm saying, between our staff and Caleb Williams. And I don't believe it ended like on terrible terms. It just didn't work out that way with him coming out of high school. So when he decided he was in a transfer from Oklahoma after Lincoln Riley went to USC, I mean, I think the obvious thought was, yeah, he's probably going to end up at USC, but we took our shot at him, and, and we, we, we were in conversations with Caleb Williams. I don't know ever how serious it got, but I know that we were looking at potential transfer options coming off the national championship win. I mean, and, and if you don't believe me, just think about what Stetson and Kirby were saying after the national championship game. Think about those interviews, guys, right? Well, Kirby was, was being interviewed by Reese Davis, I think, the morning after, maybe the night of the national championship game, I think the morning after. And uh, of course, Reese asked about Stetson Bennett, and Kirby said, "You know, we're gonna, you know, we're gonna sit down, we're gonna have a conversation, but we're gonna we'll try to make our team better." And he didn't commit to Stetson right there. And Stetson, you know, he was basically asked, "Are you gonna come back next year?" And he said, "I don't know. I have to sit and talk to the coaches, and there's some things I need to hear from them." And Stetson even said during the spring practice in one of his interviews that. You know, he was asked about the conversation he had with the coaches, and he said, yeah, we had some conversations, we had some meetings, and uh, I heard some things I liked, I heard some things I really didn't like, things I didn't want to hear, but maybe I needed to hear. And I'm fairly confident that one of those things that he heard that he maybe didn't want to hear is that we were trying to go into the portal and um, improve our depth at the quarterback position and bring in competition for Stetson. Now, in retrospect, looking back, we now know that did not transpire. That did not happen. But I wonder... And there's a lot of speculation here, but I do wonder how much our pursuit of transfer quarterback options in this offseason might have potentially damaged our chances with Arch Manning. How did he feel about that? Because if you bring in a guy like Caleb Williams, Caleb Williams got two years left to play. And he was a true freshman last year. And if you land a guy like Caleb Williams, well, then he's playing in 2022. He's playing in 2023. You just wonder if that somewhat maybe kind of rubbed Arch and his family maybe a little bit the wrong way. I don't know. Obviously, they were still very interested. He gave us one of his official visits, and we were in the final two. We were in that final group there. So I that, that might be a little bit of a reach. It might be. But I, I do think it might be something that at least weighed on his mind a little bit there, at least to some small degree. And then there's this too. Like it's tough to question Kirby Smart when it comes to recruiting, but we pushed for and received Arch Manning's first official visit. You know, the traditional calculus is you want that last official visit, right? You want to have the chance for the last word to make the last pitch to where he doesn't get a chance to talk to any other coaches who can try to counteract what you said to him and what your pitch was. But Kirby Smart recently has started to take a little bit of a different approach when it comes to these official visits, especially for some of these big-time prospects. He's been pushing more commonly to get that first official visit, kind of set the standard for everyone else to live up to. But when you, you do that, and I get it. I totally get it. I don't, I don't really have a problem. I think there's a lot to it, actually. I, I do think there's a lot of value in it. But when you do that, you do give your opposition, your competition, 
a chance to have that last word and to kind of counteract whatever it is that you might have said and you, whatever your pitch was when you had him on your official visit. So I'm sure there's a lot of people out there that are gonna to point to that and say, oh man, you know, Kirby made a mistake, that's wrong, you should have gone for the last official visit. I don't really put that much stock into it. Um, I, I think you make your pitch. I, I, I really like actually the, the concept of having the first official visit, set that standard, be the one that everyone else has to live up to. I don't mind that as much. And looking at with a traditional, like if it's a traditional recruitment and you're going into like, let's say the early signing period and you get those in-home visits, well, even if you had the first official visit, you can still have the in-home, right? Maybe you, maybe you get that final in-home and you, have that, you do have that final say. But with a guy like Arch Manning, a quarterback committing here in the middle of the summer, you don't really have those in-home visits. So it's not as much of a factor. But at the end of the day, he chose Texas and he's going to have to live with that decision. I do think it's an interesting decision. I'm not here to wish him poorly. I'm not going to rip the guy. He made a decision that he thinks is in the, his best long-term football interest and that's fine. He's going to have to live with that. But it, I do find it interesting because you know, I still like to believe that recruits care about winning and like that's the number one thing on their mind, but I know it's not really like it's a factor. And again, for different recruits that they weigh things differently, but I mean, if winning is what matters, I mean, Steve Sarkeesian as a head coach, nine and four has been his crescendo as a head coach. He has been an average ish head coach, an average to good head coach has shown no ability whatsoever at this point in his career to be an elite head coach. Coached at Washington as a head coach, had a solid career there, you know, had a solid tenure there, and then got the job at USC and was doing okay. And then he had the whole alcoholism deal where he's drunk at functions with boosters and slurring his speech when he's giving speeches and just that whole bad look. And I'm not going to rip the guy for that. He has a problem. He has... Uh, he's had an issue that he's been addressing and meeting head on, so good for him. And I and I hope that he is doing great and fighting that battle. But you know, he loses the job at USC, goes to Atlanta as offensive coordinator, did a good job at Atlanta, then ends up in Alabama uh, in Tuscaloosa as the offensive coordinator. But the fact remains, as a head coach, he's not a proven commodity. So Arch is kind of hitching his wagons here to a guy that yes does have a reputation as a great developer of quarterbacks, as a great offensive mind, and has produced some very prolific offenses. All those things are true, but at the end of the day, he's not an offensive coordinator anymore. He's the head coach, and as a head coach, he's been really pretty average, honestly. He really has. He has not been great. He's not a proven winner as a head coach. So from that perspective, when it comes to winning, and I know that they've been recruiting pretty well, and they've got some good receivers, and in Austin it has this perception and this reputation as a good college town, although the, I would beg to differ there. Austin is a cool town. It's not a cool college town because it's not a college town, but that might not matter to Arch. I know that he said that Athens was his favorite college town, but Austin, I mean, again, look, Austin's not a terrible place. Austin's a, a very nice town. It's got a lot going on, um, but I don't know. It's just interesting if winning is really something that matters to Arch Manning, why are you going to Texas? You're being sold that Texas is going to win, but there's no proof of concept there. Just like there's no proof of concept that we're going to open up our offense for, with, with the passing game and you have no proof of concept there and we're trying to sell you on that. Well, Texas is trying to sell you on the idea that they can win in general. And to me, that's that would weigh more heavily on me, but I'm not the one making these decisions. So best of luck to him. He made this decision and you know, we'll see how it works out. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. 
Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. Okay, so we spent a good chunk of time there talking about why Arch Manning chose Texas over Georgia. But I want to get more into how this is going to impact our program, the implications for our football program. How much does the loss of Arch Manning in this recruitment, how much does that hurt? And I don't really think it hurts that much, honestly. I really don't. And I know, I know you're sitting there just shaking your head saying, come on, Tyler, like be real with me. I am being real with you. I'm not torn up about it. Would I have been excited if we got Arch Manning? Sure, of course. You get the number one player in the country, even just from like a promotion standpoint, like the, the promotion of your program, like that's kind of a cool thing. Like you're you're the program everyone's talking about. So that's kind of cool. And like, you can never have too much talent. I mean, I would have loved to have had Arch Manning. I'm not going to tell you he's not a good quarterback. He is. He's a really good quarterback. Now, is he as polished and, and college ready as some of the recent guys in the past couple of years, like Quinn Ewers? I don't really think so, but he's still really, really good, okay? And they got a really good player. But even in saying that, I don't think it hurts us all that much. Because think about this, guys. We were all in on Arch Manning in this class at the quarterback position. Like, we were not really, we basically stopped recruiting other quarterbacks in this class. The only reason you would do that is because you don't really need a quarterback in this class. If you you get a guy like Arch Manning, fantastic. If you don't, well, you took your shot, you took your swing, you missed, but it's cool. We don't need a quarterback in this class. We just kind of punt to next year and we go all in. And make, Now, we'd have to get a guy next year in 2024. puts more pressure on you there to get a big-time player. But we didn't need a quarterback in this class because our depth right now is, is really good and there's really high quality there in the quarterback room with Carson Beck, Brock Vandegrift, and Gunnar Stockton. Now, it's likely at least one of those guys will eventually transfer after the battle next year. But right now, the depth is really good. We're fine for 2023. In fact, we are in very good shape for 2023. So when we essentially stopped recruiting other quarterback options, guys like Dylan Lonergan at Brookwood High School, for instance, top 100 player here in state. I mean, we were recruiting him pretty heavily for a while, but then we kind of faded there. And we're like, you know, we're just kind of going to go all in for Arch Manning. I think you do that only if you don't have to have a quarterback in this class. It's kind of, it's arch or nothing. You take your swing with this guy that talented, that big of a name, you give it a shot, it's worth it. But if you miss, you miss, whatever, no big deal, no harm done. Because again, we have three good options left going into the 2023 football season. And, and like I've said a couple times, I don't think Arch Manning was going to factor in anyway in 2023 in that battle. 
Maybe, and maybe he could have surprised me, but I was, even if we would have landed Arch Manning, I don't think he was gonna be a factor in that battle going into 2023. I really just don't believe he was. I think he was gonna be more of a guy that would be set up to be in good position to be the guy in 2024 if our 23 quarterback went pro, if it was Beck and went pro after 2023, or, or Vandegrift, I guess, if he won the job and had a really good year, he could have gone pro. So it's not like I was expecting or counting on him to come in right away and be a major contender for that job. And let me say this too. I have to say this, guys. At this point, where we are as a program, how Kirby has recruited, we are bigger than any one recruit. One recruit is not going to make or break the Georgia football program. Let's just be real about this. The foundation that Kirby has built is far too strong. We have far too much talent up and down the roster for one guy to make or break the direction of this football program. We aren't Tennessee that needs a game changer like Nico Yamaliava. At least that's who they think he is. We aren't Texas who needs a game changer like Arch Manning to elevate their program. Our program has already been elevated. We just won the freaking national title. So would it have been great to get Arch Manning? Of course, of course it would. But missing out on one single recruit is not in any way going to put a dent in the Georgia football program. That's why I don't worry about it. That's why I'm not freaking out about it. That's why I, I, I'm really not upset at all. Honestly, I'm not. I'm not upset. I would have liked to have him. Great, cool, been a luxury. But in no way was it a necessity. In no way is this going to have a long-term impact on the University of Georgia. The only way that would happen is if Arch Manning turns out to be a generational level quarterback and the guys that we have in our room right now, whether it's Beck, Vandegrift, and Stockton, they we just strike out on all three of them. They're all three just average. In that case, sure, I guess that could hurt us, but I don't think that's going to be the case. So yeah, I just think our program is in a place right now where one recruit is not going to kill you. But here's where I would say maybe it does potentially hurt us some. And it's in this particular recruiting class, because when you land a guy like Arch Manning, if you land that kind of guy, it's like I said a few minutes ago, the way that promotes your program, the publicity that gives your program, the momentum that gives you the program in the national eye, it matters. I, I'm a believer in the idea that in large part, perception does matter, especially when it comes to recruiting. Why do we have trouble recruiting elite wide receivers? Because the perception of our offense as an old school pro style ground and pound offense. Whether that's true or not, that's the perception. Why did Lincoln Riley to Oklahoma always get these elite level quarterbacks, these elite level wide receivers? Because the perception of him is that he's an offensive mastermind. The perception of his offense is that they're going to sling the ball around, wide open, put up points, and the quarterback's gonna be drafted in the first round. Perception matters. And I think when you land a quarterback that's the number one prospect and whose last name is Manning, that is going to create attention for your program and for your recruiting class. And there are going to be a lot of other elite players that are going to be attracted to coming and joining the class that he is going to be a part of, especially when it comes to wide receivers, offensive skill players. I do think that could potentially, I think if we would have landed Arch, that could have helped us in our recruitment of some high level receivers like, like Hakeem Williams. I do believe that that could have an impact on our ability to recruit some of those skill players in this particular class. But again, like at the end of the day, I just strongly believe that our program 
at this point to where Kirby has built it to is just so much stronger than one single recruit, no matter what kind of outsized impact that one recruit could have had on your recruiting classes. Regardless, even if you don't land Arch Manning, we're still going to recruit at a top three, top five level minimum because that's what we do under Kirby Smart. That's been the case every single year since he's taken over as our head coach. So yeah, I know that sounds crazy and I know that sounds like sour grapes and me just deflecting, me being the spurned lover who's just deflecting. But no, guys, really, I, I, I promise you, I'm really not sweating this. And I can't tell you what to do. I'm not really in the business of telling other people what to do. But if I had some advice for you, it would be don't sweat it either. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. All right, I'm back for just a little bit more here. The last part of this conversation I think we need to address is what's next for Georgia at quarterback. We know Stetson Bennett's going to be the guy this year in 2022. We know in 2023, there's going to be a three-way battle between Carson Beck, Brock Vandegrift, and Gunnar Stockton. We don't know who's going to win it. I think the, the leader in the clubhouse right now would be Carson Beck, but there's plenty of time between now and the start of the 2023 season for both Vandegrift and Stockton to catch up and overtake Beck. It's going to be a hell of a battle. I'm excited to see how that one's going to play out. So we know what this year looks like. We know what next year is kind of going to look like. We know who the options are going to be. But where do we go from here after missing out on Arch Manning? Now, I told you guys before the break, I don't think that we're going to go after another recruit at the quarterback position in this 2023 class because we don't need one. I truly believe that it was arch or bust for us in 2023 because he was just that good of a prospect that when he's showing the interest that he's showing and you feel like you have a shot, then you got to go all in and give it your best shot and take your swing. But I think that if you miss on the guy, which we did, you just kind of punt on this class and you go all in in 2024. And that gives you a little bit of class separation too. And that's important. It's more important now with, with the transfer report because if we would have landed Arch Manning, well, that's three consecutive years. Brock Vandegrift, Gunnar Stockton, Arch Manning. Well, that's three guys, three high-level quarterback prospects, three elite quarterback prospects in a three-year span with no class separation between them. So at least one, if not two of those guys are going to transfer at some point because, again, only one quarterback plays at a time. These guys all think they're great. They all think they have NFL futures. They all want to get to the NFL as fast as they can. They want the path of least resistance. If it doesn't work out here, it's not that, like, like maybe Gunnar Stockton like loves Georgia. Maybe Brock Vinegar just loves Georgia and they want to stick around because they grew up here. They're hometown kids, whole nine yards. But look, I mean, Carson Beck's not a hometown kid. Arch Manning would be a hometown kid. They don't have that deeply ingrained, lifelong love University of Georgia. If if they don't win the job by the time they, they should win the job, they're gone. They're going to leave. 
So I do think some class separation would be nice. I think our coaches feel that way as well. So I, I do think, I could be wrong here. I don't know. I don't have inside information on this. It's just speculation. But just looking at our depth chart and looking at how we went all in on Arch Manning in 23 and basically stopped recruiting other quarterbacks that we were recruiting prior to that, I don't think we're going to go after another guy here and just take a guy to take a guy. Like waste a scholarship on a guy just because like we want a quarterback. We've got three guys that are going to be battling for that job next year. Do we really want to add a fourth one right now? Like, do we need to do that if it's not the right guy, if it's not a guy that we truly believe we can build our program around? I think the answer is no. And what I think you do is you look to 2024 and you make a run at one of the top level guys in 2024. So that's the big question to me. Who is that guy or who are those guys, plural, going to be? Now, the first name that comes to mind for me, and we've mentioned him on the show pretty recently, actually, is Dylan Rayola out of Arizona, who's a really, really talented prospect. I think he's the real deal, guys. I mean, honestly, I think I've, I might have said this on the show before. I, I've felt all along that Rayola is a better high school quarterback prospect than Arch Manning. I, I truly believe that. And uh, like, look, look, if Arch Manning is going to commit to you in, in 2023, then you take him, right? Like you don't like say, oh, no, Arch, we think Rayola is better. So we're just not going to take you even though you want to commit. Because like, what if you don't get Rayola, right? There's no guarantee there. So you go ahead and take the guy if he wants to come to Georgia. But if he doesn't want to come to Georgia, that's fine. Rayola is fantastic. And we were heavily involved in this recruitment for a long time. Problem is, a couple months ago, he up and committed to Ohio State. And we discussed that on the show at the time. And my read on that was that he felt as though Arch Manning was going to come to Georgia and he did not want to be the guy to follow Arch Manning with no class separation because he figured, hey, Arch Manning's probably going to be their guy for a couple years and I'd be right behind him. That means I have to sit and wait. I don't want to sit and wait. So let me go to Ohio State, which is already a really great option for quarterbacks anyway, putting guys into the league. So why don't I go there? Because that was a thought for a while, guys. I mean, I know it sounds crazy to a lot of you, but we were not only in the thick of things, but I have it on pretty good authority that we were leading for a while. Now, and that's tough to say. Like, when you hear things from some people around the program, and they tell you what they know and what they're being told and the vibes they're getting from the family and the recruit. And the family and the recruits usually tell you what you kind of want to hear, but like the guys around our program don't really know what. Texas is being told and what's going on there. They don't they don't know that. So even I had to always kind of take that with a grain of salt. That's why I don't like bring a ton of recruiting information here and don't bring all that much that I hear because it's very one-sided. And that appears to be the case here. But there was a belief out there that Georgia had an edge there for a little while. And I do believe that that might have been the message that Rayola was getting and the vibe that he was getting. So then he goes to Ohio State and all of a sudden like we're out of his commitment, even though we've been deeply involved for a long time. Could we get back into his recruitment? I certainly think we'll try. I think that's an uphill battle at this point. I don't want to say it's impossible because I never say never when it comes to Kirby Smart and recruiting. Never count that man out. Absolutely never. But I do think it would be difficult now that he is officially committed to Ohio State, and especially with the Ohio State offense. They are very open in their passing game. It's a high-flying, productive, prolific offense. Ryan Day is an offensive mind, the whole nine yards, all that kind of thing. So I do think it'll be tough. It's not impossible. And I think we'll certainly kick the tires around there and try to get back in that recruitment. But even if that's not a go for us, and if I had to lean one way right now, I'd say it's probably not a go. Again, not impossible. I wouldn't count us out completely, but probably not likely at this point. But even if it's not likely, there are some other names 
in this 2024 class that I am highly intrigued by that I'd be very excited about if we actually landed any of these guys. Jaden Davis is the name that I'm, I'm really intrigued by. He's out of Charlotte and uh, he's kind of like Bryce Young-esque like in size. He's only like six foot, 185, 190 pounds, something like that. But he's a top 15 prospect nationally, a five-star prospect in the 2024 class that's really been rising. And uh, I think he, I mean, he's an elite 11 guy. He's going to be a really, really good quarterback, man. And he'd be very different from what we've had. Kind of a guy that can be a dual, that can move around a little bit. So he's a name that I think could be a dynamic quarterback option. I think we'll be in the thick of that. I think we'll certainly kick the tires around there. There's a kid named DJ Lagway out of Texas who is also a top 20 prospect nationally in the 2024 class, a five-star guy. He's a little bigger, 6'2", about 210, 215. And he's a guy who's really talented as well. And I think we'll certainly be involved in his recruitment and see if we can gain any traction there. But the name that I'm really high on right now, and I actually think that we have a really good chance because, you know, again, I follow recruiting very closely. And for a while, this guy, the word around him has been, it was probably going to be Georgia or Texas. Like he was watching Arch Manning's recruitment pretty closely. And wherever Arch went, there's a really good chance that whoever didn't get Arch was going to be in a really good position for this kid. And his name is Julian Sayan, I think is how you pronounce the last name. S-A-Y-I-N. He's a Cali kid. He's from Carlsbad, California. 6'1", about 185, 190. Top 15 prospect nationally. Another five-star guy. Number 13 overall in the 2024 recruiting class. And look, I, I don't know for sure, but I, I, I mean, again, just saying, I follow this pretty closely, guys, and I know that he's been high on us, and we've been in contact with him, we've been recruiting him, he's been high on Georgia, and he's been high on Texas with Arch going to Texas, that might, at least right now, give us an early lead with him. So if I had to pick right now who's that guy going to be for us in 2024, I'd probably say Julian Sayan, and that guy is legit. Pull up the tape, guys. Very, very talented guy, high-level quarterback prospect and would be a dynamic player for us if we were able to land it. Now, it's very, very early, and there's going to be a lot of moving parts, and who knows how it's exactly going to play out. Who knows who our coaches actually like more out of all these guys. We might want to get these guys here on campus and have them work out for us. Who knows? But I at least want to give you some early names, some early options in 2024, because you know it, it doesn't really hurt us, like I said, to lose Arch Manning in 2023, in my opinion. Now, if we don't land one of these elite guys in 2024, that will hurt. That will be a problem because we need to fill the coffers here. Because again, whoever loses the job in 2023 between Beck and Vandegrift, I think there's a high likelihood he'll transfer. And I think Stockton has a good chance of sticking around, but he might not. I don't know. But you still need to refill the coffers, get that quarterback depth in there. You want to get guys in there that are highly talented, that can push everyone and really come out there and compete and keep your program at an elite level. And I think each of those guys I mentioned in 2024 could do that. But again, I think Julian's saying right now would probably be the leader in the clubhouse, although there is quite a bit of time between now and when these guys start committing, which probably be this time next summer. But all right, guys, that does it for me today here on the Glory UJ podcast. I just want to get on here and give you guys some initial thoughts, that instant reaction to the Arch Manning commitment to Texas. I know it stings, but like I said, I'm not sweating this, and, and I hope that you aren't freaking out too much about it either. I think we are in very, very good shape moving to the future. And again, as long as Kirby Smart's our head coach, I really, I just don't worry about recruiting. I know a lot of you guys do, and I still follow it very closely. And I used to get all worked up about it. I used to get so anxious about it. But under Kirby, I just, I've learned not to because it always works out. And maybe one day it won't, but 
It always has under Kirby, and until it doesn't, I'm going to trust the guy essentially implicitly, and I feel really good about lending one of these elite guys in 2024. But that is it for me today here, guys. We will be back next week. In fact, we already have the mailbag episode recorded for early next week, so we'll have that up for you guys. Curtis will be back with me on Monday night. And again, a little teaser for you guys. Have a couple big announcements for you coming next week, so look forward to that as well. But have a fantastic weekend, guys. Enjoy the summer. Going to be hot again. Try not to die, just like last week. But hope you guys have a great weekend. Thank you for listening. I'm Tyler, and as always, go dogs.